What's going on, everyone? So in this episode of the SEO Life, I have the one and only Ryan Stewart from Webris, and he's also the founder of The Blueprint, which is a SEO training program for agencies. And I've been following Ryan for a super long time, and I just love the way that he approaches SEO. And most importantly, the one thing I really love that he does super well is how he's able to systemize so many processes. So we're going to get deep into that topic, um, but we're going to get into many other topics. So thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. Yeah. Glad to be here, Nathan. Cool. So um, let's let's start with something. Um, let, let's go all the way back before you even started with SEO and then kind of talk about that path that led you to SEO. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I found out about SEO in a coffee shop. <laughs> it was uh, about probably like 12 years ago now, at the time I was working uh, at a corporate job that I just absolutely despised, just everything about it, top to bottom. And during that time, I was, I was looking pretty heavily at just like ways to make money online, like the, the typical uh, banner ads you would see, like the work from home stuff back when it was spam. And, um, you know, after dabbling a little bit and, and kind of noodling my way around, I kind of stumbled on Instagram, which was pre-Facebook purchase, um, a lot of like the kids, it's, you know what it is? It's exactly what TikTok is now really picking up with like a lot of the younger kids, but businesses and kind of mature adults were kind of like, this is for kids. We're not going to use this, but I saw a lot of potential there and basically started trying to partner with big accounts there and sell ad space, basically what influencers are doing now. Um, long story short is that I had a partner in that business and that we were, we would meet in a coffee shop every day at six in the morning before I'd have to go to work and talk and work on our business. And a guy sitting next to us overheard us and was like, social media is great, but you know, there's a marketing tactic where if somebody types it into Google, you know, like buy a pair of shoes, your website can show up first. It's called SEO. And, um, you know, that was kind of like my first introduction to SEO. And ever since then, I just fell in love with it and uh, became obsessed with it, especially back then because it was so easy. And uh, you could literally build a website, get it to rank in two weeks and you'd be making money. So I was doing some lead gen stuff, some affiliate stuff, you know, building my own blog and testing stuff. And then eventually led me to start taking on clients and opening up an agency. Okay, great. Let's unpack that a little bit. What year was it where you basically discovered it in a coffee shop? It was 2010. 2010. 2010. Yeah. The first project you worked on, what, what was that for SEO, SEO driven project? It was my own stuff. It was, um, I like, I like, I kind of immediately, I, I kind of realized that I wanted to start selling this as a service. As soon as I got it, like the hang of picking it up. Um, I was just building my own blog. This was pre Webers. This was back when it was called like Marketic. I just started a blog and I basically just started talking about the things that I was doing um, just in terms of, you know, like how I was building links, how I was building content, the same stuff we're talking about now. I was just doing that a long time ago. And um, all I was doing was just buying links from this vendor. I'm, I never forget. They were like 20 bucks and they were like pre PBNs, just all that stuff. Um, 20 bucks for a vendor hit it with five to 10 links and, uh, and I'll start ranking. And then I started building like real estate websites uh, in the my local Miami market, getting those to rank. But again, it was a lot harder to sell back then because, you know, even though it was 10 years ago, whatever it was, companies still weren't like fully bought, bought in on the internet, which seems absurd at this point. But, you know, back in 2010 through 2012, it was like really a hard sell to get businesses to invest in these online marketing tactics. Um, so again, I was building these real estate websites. We were like ranking them for different buildings here in Miami and then just generating leads from people searching off it and then selling those directly to real estate agents. Um, and again, they were very skeptical about it, but it got to the point where I realized how much work it was to build the website, sell the leads, all that stuff. So um, instead, one of the realtors was just like, hey, you know, instead of paying you for the leads, we'll pay you to do our SEO. Uh, and that was, that was the first client I took on. And that was really how we started pushing into like the SEO agency consulting thing. And then it was a long road from there. Um, but that was kind of like my first foray into, into taking on some clients. Yeah, that's interesting. So with that first, when you, when you dove into the real estate market, so you're basically doing lead gen initially. Mm -hmm. Um, and were you still doing that while you were still working at the agency? Yeah. Was that kind of was, on the side? Yeah. It was so, so this was actually pre-agency. So, so like my, my kind of like career background path was I graduated in 2008, 2009, um, undergrad into like a really bad economy. <laughs> and, um, you know, this was back when I, I, I played football in college, but I chose more of an academic school because I knew I wasn't going to play in the league. Um, and I wanted to get the best education possible. So I wanted to go get a good job, you know, like a high paying consulting job. Um, 
And uh, as soon as I got that job, I ended up getting a job at, at Deloitte, which was an incredible opportunity for me. But I quickly, like I said, realized that it re wasn't really for me. So within six months of being at that job, I started to look for other ways to make money. And it took me a full two years of working at that job because um, I was also very adamant about like, I'm, I'm not necessarily naturally a risk taker, like a true entrepreneur. I was like, I'm not taking a step backwards in lifestyle. So I need to make enough money off of this side business before I'm leaving this cushy six figure job. Um, so it took me like a full two years to get to the point where I was comfortable to kind of jumping in. Um, and even after that, after I jumped and started doing the agency thing full on, my partner actually backstabbed me and, um, kind of basically froze everything, froze all my logins, all my assets, everything for that company when, you know, I was making like 10 grand a month and basically had to start over. So I actually took a job, contracting job at a huge agency called Sapient Nitro during that time period, um, which was a blessing in disguise. I was kind of forced into it because I had no way of making money at the time, but it also really showed me how big business and big agencies operate. When I was with Deloitte, I was the low man on the totem pole. I was just, I was just punching spreadsheets, um, which sure. was why I was able to work on all this stuff at work. You know, I would get up early, and then I would get to the office early. I would do my hours worth, hour worth of work. And then I would just be on the internet doing my own thing for the rest of the time there. Um, but going back to work at Sapien Nitro, like really taught me the ins and outs of how an agency business should function. Because at that time, I was just kind of ranking websites. I didn't know shit about project management, uh, account management, customer service, how to deal with upset clients, like the whole nine that running an agency is really about. Um, I learned a lot being there. And I was there for about a year kind of building back up. That was when I started Webris. So like the blog really started picking up and I got enough leads to just cut that completely. And, that, and ever since then, I haven't really, I've never gone back and I will never go back to taking a paycheck from somebody else. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, that that's interesting because that, that background you have probably has helped you so much today. Um, just, just learning the, the operational side is huge. Tremendously. And, and I think the SEO industry is very interesting because there's, because it's with so mature now um, to the point where like you could probably, I don't know this for sure, but you could probably go and get like a college degree in online marketing with the folks in SEO. Right. Um, so there's kind of a bunch of different schools of thoughts. There are people like me and I think you too, who, who basically taught this to themselves, um, you know, kind of as a hustle. And then there's the professional side of things that people are getting taught. So there's a bunch of different schools of thought within SEO, just in terms of how you approach things. Um, we'll talk about that later. I saw some of your pre questions, but you know, like I look at myself as kind of a nice hybrid in between because I understand that at the end of the day, SEO is about getting results and making money. And this industry also is because, like I said, because it's almost like web development now, like companies know that they need to basically have an SEO in-house or on retainer at all times. So it's become more about like the process of SEO as opposed to the results. So I, I feel like I have a good mindset in terms of I'm here to make you money. But at the same time, I also have, I know how to make this into a very professional service. I know how to conduct phone calls. I know how to speak to clients. Um, and that trickles down, of course, to our staff. It's little things just like knowing how to send an email, knowing how to format a spreadsheet, uh, knowing how to review things before you send it to a client. Like these little things, again, you don't get taught unless you learn the hard way kind of doing this from scratch which is one of the good things about going to work at a big agency. You see how these little in-between things should function and then you're able to deploy that into your own practice. Yeah, that's, it's funny you say that because I would say that with SEO in particular, the biggest challenge that anyone doing client SEO is managing expectations. So um, trying to find that balance between getting results, but also delivering a good service where you're just actually you know, focusing on the deliverables themselves uh, that seems to be a real challenge. Um, cause of course saying it is very easy, but when you actually start to see it happening and you have clients who message you after one month saying, uh, you know, what's going on, man? Like, <laughs> have you just like invested like 80 hours into their project and you're like way over, you know, yep. way over invested. Um, so how do you manage that expectation? Upfront. I mean, that, that start to me, to me, that starts with your, and I'm actually we're building another company now. So I'm, I'm really kind of hot on like positioning and messaging and realizing the full importance of that because how you choose to position your agency and how you choose to communicate that through your marketing, through your content, through your advertising, into your sales calls, into your proposals, into your contracts, um, it's, it's, it starts all the way at the beginning. So if you, and that's the challenge that I think a lot of people have is they feel like they need to promise everything in order to get people interested, right? Again, like, 
first place rankings, month-to-month contracts. Like, no, no, no. You're setting the wrong expectations because at the end of the day, we're all selling the same thing. We all know like that's just, it's absurd to try and do something like that um, to guarantee rankings and things like that. It's, it's, it's a, a, a tactic that is only going to lead to headaches down the road. Um, so that just starts with your positioning and how you're communicating. And that's, again, it's more about positioning yourself as, uh, you know, as somebody who's going to provide consultation along the way in, in the, the value and the deliverables and the value of the time that you're providing to, not just the output. So, um, you know, in our marketing for our agency, we don't really talk. I mean, I use results to get people's attention, but after that point, that's just to break the ice to let them know that we can get them results. But after that, there's no conversations about, um, you know, time to ranking. There's no conversation about how much traffic we're going to get them per se. We're able to show them models, but again, there's nothing put in writing about that because that's when you sign a client because you you sold them, you know, uh, a Lamborghini, but you're really just building them a Toyota. You know, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's all about what you're selling, and it starts even before that. You know, before those sales conversations. So it's really important that you're marketing your sales and your client ops and delivery are all in line, um, in in line with that. Otherwise, yeah, you can get beat over the head by a client pretty bad. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because. I learned, well, in the beginning when I was just hustling, trying to get clients, like, because I just wanted to make money as fast as possible, I was bringing in any clients and I obviously didn't care what they were. Um, but then now that I've made my standards more strict, I've actually gotten better clients. So it, it's interesting how that ends up working. Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you, yeah, you, you think that you should just accept everyone because of course it's hard to deny money. Um, but in reality, it actually is more detrimental long-term is what I've kind of discovered. Is that, do you feel that same way? A hundred percent agree. I think, I think it just really depends who you're talking to. So like in the blueprint training, you know, we, we get not beginners. You have to know SEO to take our training platform, but we get a lot of consultants that are struggling to break through to become quote unquote agencies, right? Meaning everything is still running through them. They're, they're unable to pull themselves out of operations or doing, they're doing everything. You know, to get to the point where you're really, really ready to become an agency, meaning you have people underneath you that are delivering the service, you can basically step out and focus on running the business, sales, etc. In order to get there, I do feel like you have to go through the point where you are taking on anything and everything because it's it's a luxury to be able to like, no, I'm only going to work with software companies making 10 million or more. Yeah, um, that's a good point. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's a privilege, not a right. And I think that a lot of company, a lot of agencies quote unquote, getting started or like, I'm going to pick a niche because I'm fully on board with picking a niche. And I don't think niche necessarily means like, I'm only going to work with lawyers. I think it could just mean your client criteria, just like you kind of said, right? Um, you know, we're only going to work with companies that have an internal marketing person um, to support us, to communicate with, like, we're not going to talk to business owners, like all that stuff that that you've learned throughout kind of growing your agency. It's a luxury. It's it's not a right. So you have to graduate to that point meaning you have to get cash flow in the door. Like cash is what's going to make your business go forward. It's, it's what's going to allow you to hire people and pull yourself out. So um, I'm fully with you that a niche is better, you know, focusing on one part of the market is better because it's not just for sales to get better, more clients in the door and get referrals and build case studies. It's also to streamline your operations. Like if you're only building links and content for one industry, it's a hell of a lot easier than trying to do it for everyone. Um, but you do have to get to the point where, you know, you've gone through, you've worked with all types of clients and you've taken on any revenue you can get, saved as much as possible. And then got to the point where like, okay, we have three months runway in the bank. Now we can fire anyone that's not paying us X amount. Um, anyone that's a headache, anyone that's not doing that, that doesn't meet our new criteria. But I think you have to really kind of like earn your stripes in order to get there. Um, it's good to have that on your roadmap, taking and listening to people who've been there, but at the same time, like it's, it's, as you said, you can't really turn down revenue if, if, if you don't have any, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think it's, you know, I think it's challenging for some people who are getting started in the SEO industry and they see someone like yourself who has these processes in place and you have people working for you and they, they see kind of this end result, but they don't realize all that initial stuff that had to happen to get to that point. So I think it's, I'm glad you're kind of emphasizing that, you know, getting cash flow is paramount in the beginning. And in fact, when I, when I was in, I don't know if this is how you felt, but when I, when I started, that was my mindset was just, how am I going to get money? Like that was the only thing I thought about. So, um, and of course my philosophy has changed over time and it's like yours, but, um, yeah, I mean, getting that cash flow is so huge because then, you know, you actually have something to work with and then you can take that cash flow and reinvest it into other things like you've also done yourself. So, and I want to get into that, that as well. Um, one thing, I'll, actually two things first, um, 
One thing that is really, really challenging for people who do SEO in particular is pulling themselves away from SEO and letting other people do the SEO. Um, mm -hmm. And especially, you know, when you're an SEO expert, you think you know everything. You think your way is the only way to do things. And so, um, and you know, in the e-myth, you know, trying to pull yourself away from being the expert is very, very difficult mm -hmm. um, for a lot of people. So how did you make that transition from expert to manager? Um, and how long did that process take? It's just like, I don't, it just gets to the point where, I mean, a, there's a couple ways you can arrive there. I arrived there because I don't enjoy doing SEO. <laughs> like like sure. I think link building is stupid. I think like I, I, I it's, it's, it's I, you get to the point where you realize like, why am I spending my time sending emails? Like this is just not a good use of my time anymore. You know, I need to be solving bigger and bigger problems. Um, so that was how I arrived there. And then once you kind of get in that mindset, it's just about getting the right people in place and working with them and training them. Um, so, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a network of people around me that have absorbed my content for a long time. So it's, it's pretty easy to hire people and get people in that are already kind of familiar with what you need, but then it's a matter of training them and, and training is an ongoing thing. Um, so it wasn't really difficult for me to get there that started a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I continuously go through it though. And, uh, like I said, we're, we're working on building. So we have Weber's the agency and we have the blueprint training and then we have coding is for losers and it's also called query recipes. Um, and what we're doing there is we're using Google BigQuery, which is a, a cloud processing database. Uh, and we're basically helping agencies aggregate all of their marketing data in one place. Um, AdWords, Facebook ads, YouTube, everything, right? Uh, and then process it in the database and then spit it out into reports that they want, whether that's data studio, Excel sheets, whatever. Um, and again, what I'm realizing there is how much, how much there is to do and how much help that I need and um, how much I'm unwilling to get some of these things off my plate because in my mind, I know that I'm really good at this and I can get it done, but I'm also standing in the way of the business by having them bottleneck at myself. So that's another way that, that you can come to the conclusion of, of what we're talking about is that if you're the bottleneck in your own company, then, then you're the problem. And it's better to just get things done and to, 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 to build uh, a team underneath you or even to outsource it or get it to an agency, what have you, just to get it done and get it to the point where then you can turn your attention back to it. So um, for me, I, I originally arrived at that conclusion because I just was doing time. I was doing tasks that were beneath my skill set. You know, even though I'm thinking I'm really good at marketing, I should be doing this. But like there's so much of marketing and sales that is just tedious work that can be given to somebody else. Um, and the other one is that you're standing in the way of your own growth by not getting people to help you out. Yeah, that's, that's a super good point. You know, it's so funny because every single SEO expert, at least that I know and I've talked to, most, when most people see them and the work that they're doing, they think that, that those SEO experts are actually doing all of the work. But in reality, like the best SEOs in the world aren't actually doing a whole lot of SEO. They're yeah. mainly just managing the campaigns yeah. um, and having other people do the work. So um, I think that's an important point because I, I, I think a lot of people when they're getting started, they think they need to be sending those outreach emails. They think they need to be crafting the content. But in reality, those things can all be systemized and given to someone else. Um, yeah. So, and, and of course, there are exceptions to the rule, right? So like if you're creating content in the SEO industry, it's very difficult to really outsource that because you're competing with like freaks of nature. Um, but if it's any other industry, in most cases, you can really handle that um yeah, and I, I think it's just the, the level of detail i mean i haven't written content in years i just watched at least a book <laughs> i didn't write a yeah, word yeah. Of it. um but like the way that we do it is we work so like my partner david and myself because the other company is 10 times more complex than than seo um so basically what we do is we me and him spend uh, like at least 15 hours a month just working on in a spreadsheet where it's getting content topics out and getting them fleshed out like into really detailed notes. Um, then me and him will record a video. We'll, we'll either publish it on YouTube or just or let the writer work off that and then have them work off it. That saves us a tremendous amount of time. I mean, 15 hours a month to get pretty much all of our content done for that month without having, like it, it'll take you 15 hours to write one post, you know? So to your point, it's just, yeah, it's, it, these are the things that you need to be solving through. Hold on. I'm on the phone. Um, these are, <laughs> sorry. My dog came in. Uh, these are the oh, things that, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, you can edit it out. But these are the things that, like, these are the types of problems that you need to be solving. Again, instead of just putting your head down and writing it and be like, you know what, I'll just get it done. It's fine. It's, you need to be solving bigger problems. And that is a big problem to solve, right? So 
processes can be developed around anything. It's just a matter of how much time and effort you need to put into that, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, writing writing content is tough to get to get off your plate, but once you do, it's a huge time saver. Yeah, and I've I've slowly been doing that as well for Gotcha SEO. Like it's it hasn't been easy because um, obviously you know it's difficult to kind of explain certain highly technical things in SEO, but ever since I've had this one writer work with me, every single asset she's put out has done well, like performance wise. And when I, once I started doing that and seeing that like, okay, other people can get results too, it kind of just changes your whole mindset about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's a really good point. Um, I want to, I want to circle back to something actually you said in, um, you know, 2010, 2012 or so you were doing the real estate, uh, lead gen type of business model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a, there's a big segment of our market that does that, um, a little more underground. Um, but you know, the market where you build out these local lead gen sites and then you either sell the leads or you rent the site out, um, or even you flip the site to the local business. Um, and I think, I think that model is really useful because, um, you know, you're, you're giving results in advance, which is, which is absolutely huge because unfortunately most people who bring on, um, SEO clients don't get them results very quickly. Um, and so they end up paying month and month and months, um, without any results. So you kind of skip that whole, that whole thing there. Um, and there, there are so many ways to go about that. So back then, and obviously I know you'd probably go about it a radically different way now if you, if you attack that business model, but back then, what was your strategy? And do you think that's a viable business model for someone getting into SEO? It's so it's, I mean, it's viable. Yes. But there's a number of upsides and downsides. I mean, a, a huge upside too, is that you own the asset. Um, you know, if you look at your time as money, then you pouring time into someone else's business is giving away your equity in a sense, right? Um, so if it's your website that you're building, you own it, then, you know, you're getting the same amount of money if you're renting the site to a business, but you also own the asset at the end of the day and you can flip it a lot easier. Um, with that being said, just last week, I'm going through a process where I'm really cleaning out, like trimming the fat on anything that's not driving monetary value to my businesses right now. So I actually just sold a small piece of software that we had. Um, and I actually had a blog post that was ranking first for lawyer SEO, but I won't work with, I will never work with an attorney for so many reasons. Um, and that post was ranking and I sold that post, just redirected it. The dude paid me a really good amount of money. So I sold it to him. Um, so it's kind of the same thing, right? It's, it's about building something about you that has eyeballs and traffic and then either renting it, selling the leads off, um, or just selling the whole thing. Um, so it's still a very viable business model. Uh, I, I'm very advanced at SEO. So I was able to, I built that asset over a couple of years. Um, it's also a different model selling a page. This was on Webris, my core website that I, that I just redirected off. Um, but point is, is that if you have the attention, if somebody's, if you're able to get in front front of somebody at point of search, you can make money off of it. If I were to go about doing that back when I used to do it, I would just throw up a WordPress website, buy an EMD and exact match domain for like the building or the the neighborhood in Miami. Um, throw up 10 pages of content, not necessarily even unique back then, and then just buy links and wait. Um, and usually within a month, we'd have a first, and this is also keep in mind when there was a lot less competition, people, people weren't doing SEO. Um, so it's different now. So to me, if you're going to follow that model now, you have to make it into a real business. Like if you want to build a, a, a real estate lead generation website, you can't just throw up, you can't just like mimic a brand anymore. You've really got to have the full thing built out. I mean, you have to dedicate your full time and attention to that in some sense or have somebody working on that quite a bit in order to get the traffic and the results that you need in order to monetize that asset. That's my opinion on it. So it's not something I would go down anymore just because again, the further that I get in my career, you know, the more I realize that no matter what business you're working on, you're going to spend pretty much the same amount of time. So why would I pour all my time and energy and attention into something that has a much lower cap than I could be doing somewhere else. And that's the same if you're just getting started too, right? I mean, I think you need to understand that mindset of like, you know, I used to have this e-commerce website that sold shoelaces and it was doing great. (laughs) You know, I was making like 10, 15 grand a month profit off of it, all passive income. But then I was like, yo, why am I spending all my time selling $3 products like F this? You know what I mean? Like for what? I could, like I, the same amount of time and attention, I could have ranked a website selling TVs, you know? Um, like what was I thinking in a sense? So I sold that as well, again, just to kind of like, as part of my growth process of being like, I'm not like, if it's not driving a certain 
if it's not driving head and shoulders above what I was doing before, then it's not worth my time or my team's time. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say just on the, uh, laces out, right. That was the, that yeah. was the e-com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you ever, do you ever get to a point where like, you just feel like you got to test your skills? Do you ever feel like you need to do that? Or you just kind of like, don't even care anywhere. It's like, whatever, I'm just not going to focus on that. Or is there ever a time where you're like, I want to just build something just to see if I can do it. Does that ever cross your mind? No, not anymore. I mean, I'm just so focused right now on, uh, so like what I'm doing with these three companies now is they're really what we're, we're, I'm trying to vertically integrate them. Meaning I want to be selling the same thing, but just under a different storefront. So really the core of what the blueprint in Weberis, my agency is, is a process. We've already got that documented. What David and I have been working on over the last year and a half is basically layering BigQuery as a backbone to automate all of our deliverables. Um, So basically, again, if you have all your data in one place, if you think about when you're doing SEO, you're pulling the same data, right? So if we aggregate that all into one database, we're just building deliverables, keyword research, on-page, you know, link building, reporting out of the same database. So we've automated a lot of it. That then is going to become what we sell through the blueprint. That's also what we're selling through Webers. That's also what we're selling through the software company, right? That is just one product that that, that allows me to focus on. Um, you know, it's, so it's tech, it's three businesses, but it's not really three businesses. So I'm just looking at things through the fact of, again, I'm tired of giving away my equity in terms of my time and attention to things that aren't necessarily driving me to where I believe that I should be. Um, so all of my time and attention should be focused from a working point of view, obviously, um, on really building one thing that's really great. Like I really fully understand now that the most successful people go really, really deep on something, not necessarily wide on a lot of things. I know it's like a common thought process for a lot of entrepreneurs and like the investment mindset to have a lot of asset generating, just a lot of assets that generate income, which is fine. That's why I'm investing in real estate. That's why I have my money in the stock market. But like when it comes to my companies and what I know best and where I put my time and attention, I want it to be on one thing. So in a sense, you know, I wake up every day and I'm competing with myself because I'm trying to be do everything from a marketing sales demand gen point of view and product point of view better than the day before. So, um, and I, I see that paying off in terms of the income generated, who we've been impacting with our training, the results we're getting for our clients, et cetera. So that's really more what I'm looking at, you know, in terms of ranking a website anymore, um, or even getting down into like the SEO weeds. I, I, you know, I know one of your questions was about like the SEO industry and stuff. We can talk about it, but you know, I, I look at that, and I don't mean this in a negative way as, as an ego trip, as opposed to like what really matters. There's a really good book for anyone out there called Ego is the Enemy, where it really talks about the role that ego plays in terms of entrepreneurs, especially male ones, <laughs> um, and focusing on things that are driven by ego as opposed to driven by like purpose, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with it. I encourage a lot of our like staff members to kind of like do something in their free time that makes them happier, you know, even we, well, we can help them out. But from my point of view, I've kind of already been through that path. Um, and I know the way forward is not that way. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of segues to something else I wanted to ask you. Actually, it's going to be a kind of a two-parter. Um, if you were starting today and you literally had no budget at all, what would be the way that you would think about how to make money online? Would it even be SEO or would it be something completely different? Man, if, if, if what I would do is I would, it, SEO would be a part of it. Like, again, I, to me, it's all about like unique value and what you actually bring to companies. And this is just speaking for me personally, but, and this is one of the beautiful things about learning SEO or any other marketing tactic is again, I own this. Nobody can take that from me. Right. So what I can always fall back on is my skill set, And, you know, I know for sure that any company in the world would be damn lucky to have me come in and build a marketing strategy, right? So yeah, what course. I would do is I would, I would put together, I would use my sweat equity to build documentation, case studies, anything that I can that showcases my ability. I would put it into a slide deck. Um, I would build some content on a website around that. Again, all sweat equity, you know, set up a WordPress website, get a bunch of blogs written from, I would do it myself. And then I would just start sending emails and I would send, start sending messages on social media and I would try and get people back there. Um, I would use video. I would use just, just communication. Like in my opinion, again, if I have a really, really good free open course now about how to do outbound sales and it all runs on this concept of just the fact that like you can get, <laughs> you can get access to anyone. You're just not communicating with them right the right way. Right? Like it, if I'm trying to get your attention to, to come on your podcast or to have you become a client, it's not about me. It's about you. I need to figure out what it is that, you value and then just communicate that and then segue into why I'm really hitting you up. Right. So 
I would do that. I would, I would build a very unique value proposition that only I, that I felt I could deliver to companies, whether that's, you know, and then marketing, SEO, Facebook ads, integrated services, what have you. I would put together some supporting content. I would put together as much case study and social proof as I could. And then I would just start hitting people up, you know, uh, like in my opinion too, like if I know if I send 10 DMs to people that I've spent time researching, I know about what's, what their pain points are. I know about what they do for their company. I can, I can, I can sell them, you know? So I, it would be some sort of services um, that I would just sell again, because that's when it, when it boils down to um, you can't take that away from me. And, and at the end of the day, I can always fall back on selling that. So that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. And do you, do you think it's, you kind of lean that way just because of the cash flow aspect of services is just, and it's just the easiest way to get cash fast. Yeah. And and now, now knowing what I know about how to manage cash, you know, if, if you're smart with, with your money, um, again, if you, if you play for what's right for the business, not what's right for your ego, um, once you get that cash in and you don't have to do that anymore, (laughs) you know, you can, you you can go ahead. I was going to say, you shouldn't spend it on buying a Lambo then. I mean, look, I don't like to tell people how to spend their money, but, but if, if you're struggling with these things, like if your business is stuck, uh, it, that's probably the reason, like, look at how you're spending your money. It's, it's really not that complicated. A lot of people just don't want to hear it. And I've been plenty of situations with businesses in the past where this has happened, where, um, cash management is a real issue that a lot of companies have and understandably. So like, you know what I'm saying? You work really hard and you, you come in a lot of money, like you want to spend it how you want, but I've been through that now and I don't care about that. You know, again, that's, that's, I, I, I look at money as more of a score than more of an asset to me. Um, I'm a competitive person. I know that the more I put in, the higher the revenue goes. That's, that's how we keep scoring this game. Uh, but I'm not here to get a Lambo. Like I, I have nothing to, I have nothing. I don't have to impress anybody in this industry with a damn thing. You know, I'm doing this for myself and my family. That's it. Yeah. Then that's, I think that's the right mindset to have for sure. It's, you know, it's, <sighs> what a lot of people don't realize is like a lot of these internet marketers that we see, they use those as social proof vehicles. It's not that they necessarily love those things. <laughs> They're just using it as a, a method to drive more sales. But um, you know, if I bet it, if you talk to most of them, they probably really don't care about any of that garbage anyway. Um, yeah. But you know, one thing that's interesting from that question I, that I asked you um, and this is, you know, if someone was getting started, um, would you would you advise them to focus on SEO or would you advise them to become more of a broad digital marketer? I would I would say SEO actually because I, I think the industry has come so long, uh, just so far in the last 10 years and the fact that like, I, in, in my opinion, and I advertise a lot, I know you advertise too in the SEO industry and like, it's not like, we're, like if you were to go into like the Shopify dropshipping like Facebook ads world, um, and now like YouTube ads is becoming like a really hot one that like info marketers are slanging to people now. Um, yeah. people aren't really talking about SEO anymore because it's too hard. <laughs> you know, yes. like it's really hard to sell a course on SEO because who the hell is excited about being like, all right guys, I'm going to show you how to make big money. It's only going to take six to 12 months to get your client. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody wants that. So, um, in a sense, like that shows me, it shows me that the industry is matured, which is awesome. It shows me that the industry is secure. It shows me that, you know, if you put in the time to learn it, you will always have work. So like it, it, like, I think you also have to ask yourself, what do you want to get out of this? If you want to drive a Lambo, then the SEO industry is not for you anymore. It's just not like you can make good money here, a lot of money, but you're eventually going to have to figure out a way to kind of stack on top of that or pivot or do something else. Because there's, while this is a big industry, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a professional services industry now, right? Like you're not going to be slaying in like, you know, the courses that, that we both have are not like get rich quick courses, right? Which cuts off a lot of our market. Um, yeah. We're selling mostly to people who already know SEO, who just want to get better at it, you know? Um, so I think that the SEO industry is a much safer and better industry because like you, like I said, once you learn the skill set, you know, like you'll always be able to eat. You can always fall back on going to work for a big company. That's going to pay you a hundred grand, you know, or more. Um, or go work in an agency and make good money or, or start your own consultancy. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's the industry has come so far that it's no longer in that like quote unquote internet marketer e kind of thing. It's, it's like a mainstay now. So it's, it's become a very respected industry. Um, and a lot of the garbage has trickled out because it's too hard. Um, and it's too hard to sell the, the bullshit anymore. So 
Um, I do think it's an amazing industry to learn in. And as long as people are still using Google, which they will be for the foreseeable future, then like your job is safe. And even so, like as long as you're smart and you're staying ahead of the curve, like even if Google blows up, like you can put pivot into like as long as people are searching for stuff, typing uh, vocally eyeballs, whatever, then there's going to be a way to optimize against those algorithms. So as long as you're kind of like staying in tune, then you can continue to progress as well. Yeah, that's such a good point too, because I, I so many of the SEO fundamentals apply to other search engines outside of Google. That's what a lot of people don't realize. I mean, mm-hmm. the the fundamentals of ranking in Google, they apply to YouTube and they apply to Amazon and they apply to all these other platforms. So if you just understand the general, you know, high level principles, you can pretty much always uh, have job security. Um, and, and so outside of that, you know, let's say someone does, you know, get to top 25% in SEO, they're, they're able to consistently perform. What would you say are supplementary skills that they should stack on to SEO to become, you know, even better? Yeah. I mean, to, to me, UX, UX is a huge one. Um, if you're able to understand page layouts and you don't necessarily have to be a designer, I'm not, but I'm responsible for, you know, all of our website builds, um, you know, all of our landing pages, all, all that stuff. So, to me, UX and design is a huge element of it. Like if you're, whether you're offering SEO as a service or you're doing it in-house, like UX is an easy thing to tack on to SEO services to sell. It's the only other thing that we sell as an agency. We do SEO and we'll do like design, but only at very high ticket. Um, and it's easy because we're sitting here talking about keywords and on-page and page layouts. And I'm like, your website sucks. Like we can optimize this if you want, but like it's not going to convert. It's an easy upsell. It's an easy um, complementary skill. It's not easy. Sorry. It's a very good complementary skill. Um, and then also that feeds into like CRO testing, like basic stuff, like knowing how to use like hot jar, super easy to set up, um, you know, stuff like that is a huge value add, whether you're selling it to a company, uh, as an agency or you're doing it internally as a job. Um, aside from that, I would say paid search as well. I mean, like if you can be the, if you can be an, an expert at search engines, I think that's a really good way to level up and kind of like, you know, if you're running an SEO agency, let's be honest, like the cap is pretty low compared to like an advertising agency. Um, sure. You know, advertising agencies are worth billions. SEO agencies are worth low millions at best, you know. Um, but if you're able to add that advertising element in just the whole search, like global search, universal search, blended search, whatever you want to call it, huge, huge, huge skill set to have. Um, and again, then you can do like the data side of that too, that a lot of companies are just dying for uh, to have, you know, like one company that understands the customer journey through search engines. That's huge. Um you know, like content is another one. It just depends. It depends how you're wired. Like content is another very big one. Creative is another big one. It's just more like, are you left brain or right brain? You know, are you more analytical? I would say go more into paid search. Analytics is another good one, like GTM, all that type of stuff. There's big money in analytics, big, big money. Um, but if you're more creative side, then go the content route, you know, go the UX and design route. Yeah, that's, you know, and when we're comparing SEO against other digital marketing skills, at least in my opinion, SEO is by far the most technical, like learning Google ads is not super hard. <laughs> like it's not, it's not, su- yeah, it's not super difficult. And a lot of it is automated. Yeah. Um, and so, and obviously like Facebook ads are a little more technical cause you have to really deal with a lot of creative, but, um, and, and then YouTube as well, I would say what falls on that same umbrella, but overall, like learning the process of running paid, paid ads or paid search or paid social is much easier than learning SEO in my opinion. Um, it is. You're right. It, it, I mean, there's just, there's so many levels to SEO too. Like SEO is like <laughs> within SEO, you have technical SEO, you have content marketing, you have link building. I mean, those three things are literally industries in themselves, you know? I know. Yeah. Um, so. 100%. Well, and then just, yeah, just link building alone. It's, it's PR, it's psychology. It's, I mean, it's like, we just start to tap into so many levels to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, that that's great. Um, a couple other things I want to ask you and get a little more specific here. Um, so you sold Webris, yep, and then you got it back. I got so it back. I don't know. I don't know how much you can share about that whole <laughs> situation, um, yeah. but I would I would love to, I would love to learn more about what happened there and yeah um, yeah. So 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 basically, when I sold the agency, it was like tw- end of twenty eighteen. Um, the owner of another agency, Nick Eubanks, was a friend of mine. And uh, he was in Miami at that time working with a client and we went out to dinner and we were just kind of talking. He was telling me about how he was buying another agency. And I was like, just kind of jokingly, I was like, damn, you should have made me an offer. I would have loved to sell. Um, because at that time I was, I was 
businesses just hit peaks and valleys, right? And I was at a, what I felt was a peak without having to, you know, we were at a little bit over a million in revenue. We had like 10 employees and I was like, you know, if we're going to get to 5 million, like I'm going to have to double down on staff, like the whole thing. I'm like, that's not really who I am as a person. Like I'm an introvert. I like to work from home. I like to work on my, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I didn't really want to have like the big office thing. Sure. Um, so at that time I was like, look, I can keep collecting this and, you know, growing it and managing what have you, or I could sell it, you know, cash out a little bit and then be able to focus on these other projects that I'm actually more interested in. So that was my choice at the time. Basically what happened was we did a really poor job. And I think Nick would fully admit this. We did a really poor job. We underestimated what it would take to merge two businesses. And it took a really long time for the businesses to get on track. And by the time that they did, I think we all had mismanaged expectations about what our roles in the company would be. And yeah, you know, when you have that many people, man, like when you, when you literally like double, triple your peop- people in a couple of months, it's not about SEO anymore. It's not about the clients. It's an HR game. You know what I'm saying? It's about people yeah, management, yeah. which like, again, like I just didn't really want to be involved in that. And um, to no fault of Nick or the other partners there, it just, it just didn't really work out. You know, we were, we were all just kind of like, quickly moving in different directions within the company. And, um, it just got to the point where I was like, you know what, man, like, honestly, like, why don't we just talk about unwinding this as cleanly and quickly as possible? Um, and it was no disrespect between people. Um, you know, it was all business. It is what it is. It just, it just didn't really work out and it was our fault, right? It was nobody else's fault, but our own. Like we just, I think we rushed into the deal and, um, we didn't fully plan it out. Like we literally signed papers and I'm like, two days later I was in Philly, like with our our team, like, Hey, we're here, (laughs) you know? And, um, it's just, it was a great learning experience. I think for all of us, I wish all of them nothing but the best, but it just got to the point where I was like, look at, why don't, why don't we untangle this again? Like what's the easiest way that I can just get the rights back to kind of like build a small agency again? Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't take clients. I didn't take staff. I wasn't interested in that. It wasn't a spiteful leave at all, despite what some people might think. Um, you know, I, I'm a marketer. I tend to, over embellish things just to get attention. It's what I do. Um, sure. but there was actually really no ill will on leaving. It was just, it was just miscommunication, just like any relationship. It's just, it all comes down to just poor communication, you know, um, and poor planning. So it's got, got the rights back end of the year. Um, they went through a bunch of changes. I was able to pick up one of our, one of the staff from there, Caesar, and now he's basically running the agency. Uh, we've got about 10 clients. We're intentionally keeping it small, just like slowly raising our prices uh, and like really starting to push this whole BigQuery system onto, onto clients um, as kind of like the front facing, like, Hey, you can, if you want us to run this system for you, like an automated, somewhat affo- like affordable SEO service, then, then that's what we're really trying to sell. So um, the agency, honestly, it's not where I think I'm going to make a ton of money at all. I think it's good cash flow. It's good profits. Um, we're really good at it. So it comes with second nature to a lot of us when we've been doing this for so long, but I really look at it as my other businesses hinge on having a public facing agency that does well. Um, you know, the blueprint training is a training specifically for SEO agencies. Like they don't want to see some bum out here. And it also allows me to, to refine the processes and continuously feed back into that training. And then also to work continuously building like deliverables um, that we're automating. You know, I've, I know you've seen probably some of the stuff that we've done with like Google Sheets. We're basically doing that in BigQuery now. Um, and the only way for me to really understand the, the needs is to be doing that on an everyday basis with my team and understanding what they need, building it, testing it, you know, and then selling it. Um, so that's kind of the story behind that. Um, probably not as sexy as you thought it was going to be, but, uh, Oh yeah. no, that, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you could clarify it. Cause obviously I'm sure there are a lot of people wondering, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that about trying to, you know, keep keeping the ax sh- sharp uh, to say, but, um, you know, when I, when I decided to go all in on my Academy, um, I noticed that I started to get less sharp at SEO because I was so focused on the training itself that I kind of like lost sight of like what it is to do SEO. So I literally had to start some side projects just to get my mind back into the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's weird how it works like that because, um, I never want to create a course if I'm not at the top of my game. No. Um, and so I, I'm sure you feel the same way. And I, I feel like if you're going to continue to sell the blueprint and sell, you know, these agency systems, you obviously should be running an agency yourself. That's probably really the only way to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, l- let's talk a little bit about the blueprint real quickly. Um, and obviously now you have a lot of experience working with students. Um, 
and I'm sure you can track their completion rates and how much action they're taking, um, like I can. Um, and about the industry standard for completing courses is about 10%. So, um, I don't know, you don't need to tell me what your rates are, but I, I'm more interested in how you're getting your students to actually consume the information. And then secondly, how you're getting them to actually act on the information. Yeah, that's a great question. That, that's been, that was kind of like our biggest learning from the first year was that courses, like we advertise quite a bit and it's really effective. Um, but a lot of the advertisement is really just kind of like converting warm audiences, right? We use ads to like get people in our ecosystem, but so much of a sales from course comes from word of mouth that you don't even realize, right? Because you can't track it, you know, DMs, text messages, Facebook, all, sure. like, all that stuff, right? Um, so like reputation is huge, but like the way that you build that is by getting people to actually go through it, consume it, and then put it into action. So, uh, I mean, like first and foremost, community is big for us. So like commu the community that we have, the Slack community, there's about 2000 people in there that have signed up for somewhat either free or paid. And then we've got a, a lockdown community of about 400 people that have actually paid for, for the course. Um, I spend a lot of my time in there. I dedicate at least an hour a day of going through and making sure that I personally am answering questions. Um, so when people feel like you're bought in and engaged and I, and I go through it too, because I, I, I'm a course buyer myself and I bought plenty of courses also mainly to see like how some of these people that are making millions off courses, how they're doing it. Um, and they're not really putting much of their time in there, which is always disappointing to me. You know, I feel like a lot of courses are sold off the back of people's faces and personality brands. And when they're not in there and actively, you know, helping people out, I, it's just bullshit, you know? Um, so I'd make sure to spend a lot of my personal time. We've also hired three people full time who are, um, they're really good marketers are actually, so again, we're training them through here, but they're actually becoming then staff and employees of coding is for losers because we're training them on how to fix all the templates in there, um, how to troubleshoot like really advanced stuff in sheets, BigQuery, all that type of stuff. So we have them in there as well. And we have a rule that whenever somebody asks a question or hits a post, it, it can't sit there for more than 15 minutes. Um, it has to be responded to. Um, so like really good support, really good communication is, is like tier one, uh, tier two, what we're working on now is rolling out uh, a learning plan because our course is also like absurdly robust. Um, it's everything A to Z from client onboarding sales, just everything in an agency is in there. Um, so there's a lot of information and most people don't go through it. Um, so actually I should say tier two is I then offer one-on-one -on -one consulting with people. Um, 30 minute zoom calls, you get two of them over a year. And I would say 80% of them are help, are personalizing and customizing learning plans for people. So we get on a Zoom call just like this. Um, they tell me about where they are and I basically point out the modules that they need. Uh, so that's like two to just kind of like, again, like have that accountability, push people through it. Um, tier three is in this learning plan. So basically what we're building is like a, a, a 10 week learning plan where we select the, hand select the modules based on kind of like what it is that your skill level is, integrating quizzes in there. Um, and then, the next big part of this is incentivization. Like, great, you have a learning plan, but why would I want to go through it? So um, certifications is number one. And those certifications, they hold weight in the blueprint. If you get blueprint certified, then um, you'll get access to, like uh, we have a jobs channel in there. You'll get uh, like priority access to like jobs. Um, we get a ton of leads that we don't service too. So we'll dump those in there too. So you'll get like referrals from us. We're like really incentivizing people to go through um, and get certified. Uh, and then, you know, down the line, we plan on building more of like a robust kind of like job freelancer market. So being blueprint certified holds weight within the community, which is what we're really trying to push on people. Um, and then the final part is we're going to start doing some like challenges, um, like click funnels does this really well. They have like the one funnel away challenge. What it does is it just, it, it like the spirit of competition, the spirit of accountability. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, going to the gym, like you buy gym membership, but you don't go. It's mainly because you're not being held accountable for it, right? You want to go, you bought it because you want to go to the gym and get in shape, but you need that accountability. You need a workout partner. You need a trainer. Um, so what we're going to be doing is partnering people up. Um, we're going to be doing like these different challenges where um, kind of like show off challenges. I see a lot of people doing these in like other groups, but like anytime that you can give somebody credit for what they do, then it's going to incentivize them to do more and then also get other people involved. So we're going to be doing a bunch of challenges um, in terms of like getting through the course, you know, different, different milestones in terms of how we can get these challenges up and running. So um, engagement within the group is huge for us again, but like I, like at the very least, I find what you can do is just offer more of your time. That, and that's really what it comes down to as well. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what I found too. And you know, adding levels of you know gamification there is, I think, is really really important. Um, and that's one thing that I kind of neglected when I first started my course. It was like I'm going to give them everything they need to know about SEO, but then I forgot like, oh wait they actually need to like do this stuff. Otherwise <laughs> they're a not going to get results and B they're not going to tell anyone about this. Yeah. Um, and so getting them to go through, I, I realize is such a important thing. It, it's literally everything actually. Um, and it, it, it's crazy because sometimes you'll actually look at the data and there will be people who buy courses and don't even watch one, one video. They don't even watch one video. And that's like so shocking to me. Um, it honestly, like when I found out how little people were actually watching my training and like my stomach like turned, I just couldn't believe yeah, it. It's, it's um, absurd. Actually. It really is absurd. I mean, 10% is, is, feels a little bit low to me, but, um, but it doesn't surprise me though. Um, at all, you know, yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like software, you know, I mean, it, there, there's so many similarities between courses and software. Actually, it's crazy. Like you know, software is the same thing. Like the customer success manager is like the number one position that software, that software companies are hiring for. And it's the same thing that what we just talked about, but for software, like they understand that getting people to use the product is probably more important than getting people to buy the product, you know, which is why so many people will take negatives acquiring customers. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I kind of understand it too, because I bought plenty of courses and like, depending on where your course is priced, what do you guys price that? A uh, thousand. thousand. So like you, yeah. you fall into you fall into the kind of like impulse buy, I would say like people being like, okay, like it's not 5,000 bucks. Like, you know, I'll get to this when I get to it. Let me just get it now because he's running a deal or I saw the ad is top of mind. What have you? Like, there's so many people that buy it. Um, that I would like, I don't want to call it impulse cause it's not impulse buy, but you know what I'm saying? Right. They buy it and they're like, I'll get to it later. And they yeah. never do. I've, and I've done it before too. Like I, like if somebody hits me with like a really good ad funnel and I'm like, this is actually right. What I need right now. I'll sign up for it and then never use it. So like, I, it's, it's easy for me to, um, for me, I don't want, we're not throwing shade, but it's easy for me to understand where they're coming from, I guess. But, uh, I do, I've done it plenty of times before too. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Um, and that's why it's, I feel like it's helped me understand it a little bit better. And actually it's funny you say about the completion rates with SAS because my friend Rob, who actually has an agent here in St. Louis was telling me that, I don't know what book he was reading, but they said that, um, 70% of people who open a checking account at a bank never even put a single dollar in it. Um, and so it just shows like that is not just something that happens in our industry. It happens across all industries and getting people to actually do things is, is the constant struggle. Um, so, well, great. Well, um, two quick questions. Uh, number one, that's not SEO related. From the minute you wake up to when you shut it down, what does your average day look like? Uh, man, it depends. I mean, quarantine has obviously thrown a kind of a wrench in my in my schedule, but I, I'm I'm very uh, routine oriented. I'm usually up uh, six in the morning. Uh, my dog wakes me up. I'll take him out. I'll come back up, and um, I usually do like a quick kind of like fifteen minute like stretch workout type deal just to get the blood flowing. Um, from there, when I actually like plug in and start working, it's usually around seven in the first two hours of my day. Like you, first of all, you can't get on my calendar. The only time you get on my calendar is between 12 and four Eastern time. Um, and that's because my, my mornings are set for the most important work that I have to do. That's when I'm the sharpest. I'm a morning person. So I'll get through like the stuff that requires my full attention in the first couple hours of the day. Um, after that, I'm, I'm, I usually go to the gym at 11. Uh, I have a, a buddy who owns a gym, so we work out together at 11 and I'll do that for like an hour and a half. Um, come home, walk the dog again, have lunch, and then I'll kind of get into the meetings, which are usually between, like, like I said, 12 and four, um, 12, 30 and four, usually, usually on the phone nonstop between those times. Cause it's the only time you can get on my calendar after that. Um, I'll then kind of get into some of the more lighter creative work after like, so landing page design, um, you know, like kind of talking with a team on Slack, things like that. Um, and then after that, it's kind of, I usually unplug around like five or six, but it depends too. Like I, I'm engaged. So my fiance works corporate sales. So if she's working a lot, then I'm working. So we don't have kids at the moment. So uh, yeah. I, it's like rare that you'll catch me sitting around watching TV or, you know, playing video games or whatnot. Like if I'm home and she's not working, then I'm with her. Uh, if she's working though, then you can catch me doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, do you, do, you, lot, do but... you struggle with that? Do you struggle with trying to have that separation? 
you know, like yes and no, because in my past relationship, it, it really eroded my past relationship years ago that I thought was kind of like the end for me. Um, but you know, I love what I do and I think that's how I justify it. And like the stories that I tell myself and, you know, I'm continuously evolving as a person too. And I feel like the next big phase of my life is like married, you know, we're buying a house, like kids, that whole thing. And like kind of managing my time and balancing it even more. Um, but like, it's not really a problem for me. It's not a problem for her. And I'm, like I said, I'm a very introverted person as it is. So like, I don't, I have a very small number of friends, like probably like two or three. And I usually see them like during the daytime. Like I said, like I, I actually kind of underestimated, like underspoke about how much time during the middle of the daytime, I'm kind of usually just like going to a coffee shop, you know, like walking the dog. Um, I really only work like before 6 p.m., probably like actual work on my computer, not on the phone, probably like two to three hours. Yeah. Um, because again, that's just kind of how my brain works, but I'm always gravitating continuously back to my computer because like I said, like if I have nothing else to do, like I'm not, I just, ref- it, it makes me uncomfortable to waste time. Like if I'm going to be sitting looking at a screen, I might as well be making money, you know? Um, <laughs> so I, I'm very conscious about like, you know, and my fiance is also just very understanding about the fact that like, I don't really have hobbies and like, I don't have a ton of friends, not necessarily on purpose. It's just how I am. So, you know, like you're not going to find me wasting time doing something else. But like at the same time, if she wants to do something, like I'm all about it. Like I'm never, I'm never turning down time together with her or family or friends to work. You know, it's actually kind of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah well, it, it sounds like you have a winner. So, cause that's hundred uh, percent. <laughs> my, uh, my wife, like I, sometimes I don't know how she deals with me working constantly, but I always like, it's just like you said with the, like the excuse you give yourself. Yeah. And for me, it's just, I literally love what I do so much that when I'm doing it, I don't even feel like I'm working. Like yeah. everyone else is watching TV on the couch. I'm on my laptop and I'm just like, like, I'm just working. Like, but it, yeah. like to other people, they're like, why are you always working? But I'm like, I'm not even like, I didn't even realize I was working. Cause I'm just like having such a good yeah. time doing it. It's really so, hard for people to understand who like, haven't really found, like if you're working for a company that you don't love, it's, it's a whole, the whole thing. Like we've, we've just super fortunate that we found something that, you know, it's, it's not just how we make our money. It's also how we want to spend our time, you know? And like, if you look yeah. around at how people are actually spending their time too, like they're in no position to throw stones. Like if, if you are on your phone on Instagram, like you can't tell me shit. <laughs> like, no, tell me another one. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're sitting there looking at some bullshit. I'm at least doing something productive. Like don't, don't tell me nothing. And so she's, yeah. she's super understanding and obviously she reaps the benefit as well. So um, she, doesn't, she doesn't complain about it at all. So. Yeah. And I think, I think it takes a special, like every entrepreneur needs to find like the right partner because yeah, it, it right. does take a certain type of person to be okay with the way that we behave. Um, <laughs> so, um, so two very quick questions. Number one, COVID-19, ha- has it affected your business in any way? I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, fortunately our, our, our revenue hasn't been highly affected. I think this month was, we actually, I saw the impact on the blueprint this month. Cause I think the, the, for that, it moves in like two months waves. There's like a pretty long decision period. So up until I looked at the financials last week, we were staying steady, if not growing a little bit. Um, and this is also what's good about having three businesses that bring in income. The agency side of things has not been affected in terms of losing clients. We didn't churn any. We actually signed two clients during this period. That's um, great. But our pipeline is dried up. Like I'm usually getting leads out the ass and our pipeline is really dried up. You're telling um, me, dude, it's yeah. crazy. It's, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's, I, the, the market is just puckering. You know, I'm, I'm really yeah. bullish on the fact that I think in the next month it's going to really start to turn around. Um, like my, I, look, I think one of the problems with the COVID situation is there's too many people giving opinions. <laughs> so I'm very hesitant to give my opinion, but my, my personal opinion is, is that once they open the country back up, like they're not putting, they're just not going to be able to contain Americans and put us back in. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the virus, but I am bullish on the fact that the market will start to open back up. People get back to work. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really believing that we're through the worst part of it, but we've been super fortunate. Uh, also the fact that like, I've never over the past couple of years, I've learned a lot about running lean and like having agile teams and working remote. So, uh, if anything, we've been more productive and we've been able to sprint out a lot more stuff. Um, but you know, I would say our new business has been severely impacted for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because I haven't taken much of a revenue hit. I've just taken a lead hit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of bizarre. But I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not complaining. But still, yeah. It's but it's when it's when you're used to growing and you have that mindset of like, you know, just like me. I'm sure it's like not ever like if we're not growing, we're actually losing money. You know. Yeah. Well, well, and it's it's the only time in my in my like business career so far that like I don't think I'm actually doing anything wrong. Like mm-hmm. I think it's like it's the first time where something external is actually like affecting my work in some way, um, which is, which is interesting. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you real quickly, um, and I keep saying that, but I just have all these questions I, and I, I'm going to have to get you back on because I just have too many questions to ask, but, um, I know you've been going pretty hard on Instagram and even Twitter and mm-hmm. just social media in general. Are you getting an ROI from that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Huge ROI. I, I think especially like, so I went through a period where I actually hired someone a couple months back, probably like beginning of 2020, this kid to help me out with my Instagram, um, basically with the posting, the copywriting, he was basically just giving me content and ideas and I would film them. The challenge with Instagram is like, you just need so much content, so much content. Like it's daily. He was, he was pushing me to post two videos a day, um, which is, which is really, really hard to do. And I was also not willing to compromise some of, you know, like we're working with corporate clients. We're trying to sell enterprise deals for software. Like I'm not about to be out here, like with my shirt off, you know what I'm saying? Like, not that he was telling me to do that, but like there's certain things that play much better on Instagram than other networks that were hindering my growth, but I also wasn't willing to compromise. And I think that's important. I think a lot of people look at Instagram and think, or TikTok and think they have to do stupid shit you don't, it's just going to be a slower growth period because that's what the network wants. But if, if you do have something like if on Instagram, if you do see yourself as a leader and you see yourself as somebody that people would gravitate to, then you can have a lot of success there. It's just going to be on your own terms, which means a lot slower. Um, so I did see a lot of growth there, but also what I started to understand was that Instagram is really no longer a network that you can have that explosive kind of like follower growth, unless you're doing like shout outs and this type of stupid shit. Um, like even ads really don't build to your following. So I ever we advertise like, 30 grand a month and my Instagram following doesn't grow that much. Um, But what it really is, is a place that like, again, especially when you're selling courses, like people know that that's my account, like nobody else is running it. And if they send me a DM then I will answer it. And I think that's really powerful. Um, Like the the ability to go deep with people that I've seen a bunch of your ads that have seen your content, like a real place that people are And keep in mind too, is that some people look at social media, Instagram is like, well, I don't use it. So why would my customers like, no, there's (laughs) trust me, like people are using it. And even so, like you're, you're, you're closing off segments of the market that do use it. Like I check Instagram more than anything. So I know if I'm on there, then a lot of other people like myself are on there too. And they are, um, it's just a lot harder to break through selling what we sell, but, um, and just social in general. I mean, it's like Twitter is huge for SEO industry. Um, YouTube, obviously it's hard to even call that a social network, but like Facebook's still important. Like they're all important. Um, and I think that the challenge that a lot of SEO professionals have is that like, they're like, well, I'm sitting at a computer all day on, on a spreadsheet. So like, I don't have anything to talk about. It's like, well, you got to like, you're a person. And like, if, if you can learn anything from the past four years of who our president's been in, especially what's happening right now is that like people gravitate towards opinions, right? People actually want to follow somebody that has, even if it's, if they don't share the opinion, if they hate you for that opinion, they'll still watch. It's kind of like the Kardashians effect, you know? Um, it's just unfortunately like the world that we live in and, and how humans are wired. So, you know, like show your opinion, like show who you are personally. Like I think people are so afraid to burn people and like burn an audience that they just are monotonous, which it's really hard to build a following that way. You know, you have, you almost in a sense have to be kind of polarizing. Now I'm not telling you to like, you know, get really political and do certain things. But I mean, in terms of whatever it is that you want to grow, if you want to grow as a marketer, as a growth professional, as a salesperson, like have an opinion, you know, and like drive that opinion through. Um, you know, Gary Vee does it really well. Like the Grant Cardone's do it really well. Again, like regardless of whether or not you agree with them, they're doing it right. Um, so, I mean, yes, I mean, social media has been a, a huge growth engine for us. Again, not necessarily for going out and finding, like, I don't have a huge following on Instagram. I think it's like 6,000 people, but like people really, really interact with what I post. Um, you know, if I post a story, I get like over a thousand views, which is unheard of, you know, for, for like some of the engagement levels. But um, I get a lot of DMs and again, it allows me to build that like one-to-one relationship. And I can't tell you how many blueprint deals I've closed over DM on Instagram. It's crazy actually. Um, because people are like, Hey, I've seen your ads. Like I just had a few questions. Didn't want to take up your time on the phone call. I'm like, okay, shoot. What do you got? And then like three DMs later, they're closed, you know? So yeah, um, yeah. it really is an effective tool. 
Interesting. Yeah. And it has, it has a lot of intangible benefits too. Um, which, yeah, it's, it's just been hard for me, you know, it's like you said, it's like SEO isn't exciting. So trying to figure out how to angle it to be interesting on Instagram is a difficult thing, especially when like most people who are on social media are not like looking to learn right this second. Um, they're looking to just, they're just looking to veg out in most cases. So yeah, I think there, there's a lot of people, again, I, I kind of stopped. I just, I didn't necessarily have the time to keep up with it. You know, it's something that's on my roadmap for like the next two years to get somebody permanently, what, like whether it's Instagram or whatever, to just kind of like help me out with social. But, um, you know, it's, it's really, really hard. But again, like it's not necessarily about your work. Like if you look at like, if people want to see your work, they can go to YouTube or your website. You know, like I, in my opinion, people go to Instagram because they want to see the personal side of someone. Like I sure. actively will go to Google when I see someone and I'll search for their name and Instagram because I want to like see pictures of them. I want to see video. I like, I want, I want to see who, who they are and what they're like. So I think if you approach it, not as like, I have to be continuously publishing work content here. Um, and actually it's funny because the kid was pushing me to do much more opinionated kind of like, he would like give me a topic and he'd be like, give me your opinion on this. He'd be like, you know, and it was still work related. It'd be like shop five versus like, I don't know, Magento or something. Um, or like drop is like, is drop shipping legit? You know what I'm saying? Like people want, like if people know who you are, you know, it's kind of like, I watch, I, I love sports and like, I find myself now like dying for like to watch these like sports talk shows on YouTube because like I enjoy their opinion. Like I'm a huge Patriots fan and uh, you know, the Patriots like got like dismantled this off season. So like, I'm constantly yeah. interested in people's opinion on that subject, whether or not, like they're not working off any facts. I just want to hear their opinion. Right. Um, so I think it's the same type of type of thing is that if you respect that person, that figurehead and you care about what they say, then like, you're not really on Instagram to like, find out that like YouTube is a good growth channel. You're on Instagram to like really hear their opinion, a specific opinion on something. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. I, I think that's, you framed it the perfect way for sure. Um, okay, cool. Well, let me, let's close it up with a simple question. Where can people go to follow you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, you can go to Ryan was here on Instagram or, or Twitter. Um, my YouTube Ryan Stewart is where I, I'm publishing videos weekly. Uh, the blueprint training, the blueprint dot training. That's our agency SEO training platform, uh, webers.org. If you're interested in, in managed agency services and then coding is for losers.com. If you're in agency space or in the e-commerce space, the stuff that we're doing with data wrangling, manipulation management, it's really, really awesome. Um, it sounds a little bit boring, but we're literally automating pretty much everything that we do as an agency. And we actually build these custom for agencies. So if you're in the agency space, we call them data pipelines. We can pretty much automate the backbone of everything that you're doing. So check us out there. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on Ryan. This was amazing. And uh, there, there's a lot more we could have gone into and hopefully we can do it again in the future. Yeah. I'm happy to come back. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. All right, Nathan.